good God. You lavish your goodness upon us time and time again. You are so, so faithful. Lord, even when we can't understand why things happen, we know that you are there. You are solid. You are the foundation on which we can stand and be able to hold our head high knowing that you have it, that you are fully in control because you are a good, good God. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. It's my privilege this morning to bring the Bible reading from Deuteronomy, one of my favorite passages. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Well, good morning to you. My name is Peter Scott, I serve here as a senior pastor and it is just great to look out on so many faces. Uh, we were reflecting this morning uh, with a few people that uh, there are not many states in Australia at the moment where you can do this and it's just a great privilege to be together. So great to see you all this morning, great to be able to worship God together and just, just be together. Uh, we're talking about Deuteronomy, uh, we're in a series on Deuteronomy. And uh, thank you, Lynn, for reading that, uh, that passage to us out of Deuteronomy 30. Uh, I want to talk today about Deuteronomy 29 and 30. And, and I'm going to suggest to you that it is one of the finest speeches in history. This is, this is kind of Moses' farewell speech. Now, there's a little bit more to come in Deuteronomy, and we'll touch on that next week. But, but this is kind of the, the, the final big speech from Moses. And I want to ask you the question, if you had been leading a people for 40 years, what would you say to them? You know that this is kind of the last big hurrah. You've, been, you've brought them out of Egypt. Uh, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, many of them actually been born in the last 40 years while we've been wandering around in this desert. And now God has said to you, hey, uh, you're not going to go into this promised land. We, we all know God's promised us to go into the promised land, but Moses, God said to Moses, you're going to hand over leadership. Uh, you're not going to the promised land, so this is it. What would you say? What do you incorporate in the big speech? Now, of course, what's also just happened is that they've just defeated a couple of kings. Uh, Sion, Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan. They, they've conquered a couple of groups. So they're ready to go into the promised land. They're sort of perhaps on a battle footing. 
And so I thought if, if this was me giving the speech, this would probably be a bit of a, a rousing speech. Come on, we're ready to take the promised land. This is a, we will fight them on the beaches. You know, that sort of Winston Churchill-esque type speech. And in fact, speaking of Winston Churchill, I've got a, got a picture of him uh, for you. And, and I'm going to read a little excerpt from another one of what many would say is one of the finest speeches in history. I want to read to you a little bit about Winston Churchill's speech in 1940. Second World War is, is underway. And, and Winston gives this amazing speech. I just want to read a little bit of it as we're thinking about great speeches of history. So let's, let's uh, I'm not going to try and do the voice. I was sharing with uh, somebody that we listened to an audio book recently, and uh, it, it was the Tales of Narnia. Many of you would know that. And Aslan, the amazing lion, had such a disappointing voice. You know, it wasn't James Earl Jones. Anyway, so I won't try and do Winston Churchill's voice because you'll just be disappointed. But here's what he said. What General Wagand called the Battle of France is over. I expect that the Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into broad sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age. Let us, therefore, brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. What a rousing speech. What a great speech where Churchill casts this vision of life into the future. Possibly for a thousand years, he says, of empire. And I suggest to you there's some similarities here to Moses' address. It's, it's casting a vision of future life, just like Moses is to the people. But I'd also say there are some distinct differences here. Churchill, interestingly, focuses just on what he sees as the immediate battle. Moses' speech, this speech we're going to look at, he looks not only at the battle to come, in fact, he doesn't really talk about that a lot. There's an assumption that they're going to win the battle to come. He talks about what happens after that. What's life going to look like after that when we're in the promised land? And he talks even further ahead than that, and he says, well, one day after we've been in the promised land for a while, we may end up scattered again, but let me talk to you about if we ever get scattered again. And through all of Moses' speech, he says, choose life. And that's the, if, you, if you've got a phrase that you want to keep in your mind for today's sermon, I think that's Moses' message, choose life. Life contained in the covenant with the God of redemption. It's a choice that goes with moving into the promised land. It's a choice we make when we're living in the promised land. It's a choice we make forever. So as we look at this great speech of Moses, I want to look at it through, through the lens. I mean, scholars have looked at this speech over years and, and they've digested it and dissected it. But I've seen a, a, a split up by a guy called Ray Brown. And he breaks it into four parts. And that's what I want to use this morning to look at this, this great speech. Four parts of this speech. Now, Lynn read to us just the last bit. We're going to look at all of 29 and 30, but summarize it briefly. So I've got a little a summary uh, that we'll put up on the screen for you. The four parts are this. The first bit, Moses talks about past blessings. Then he tells the people about the present resources they have. He speaks about what's coming, these future perils. 
And then he ends with some timeless facts. So we're going to look at this uh, speech of Moses to his people, his last speech through those four lenses. So the first one, and this is in Deuteronomy 29, verses 2 to 9, Moses starts his big speech by reminding people of the incredible blessings that they have experienced. He says, remember how God got us out of Egypt. And some of the people would have remembered that because they, they came out of Egypt, but many of them would have been born whilst they were in the desert. They would have known that story well, nonetheless. That was a blessing, Moses says. But not just that, but whilst we've been in the desert, God's provided for us. God rescued us and then he's been providing for us all these years. And then not only that, but in terms of what's just happened, we've just had victory over these kings. Clearly God is with us. There are these blessings that God is providing for us. And that's where he starts the speech. But then he moves on and he says, this covenant that God's called us into, it's not a past thing. All those blessings we've been talking about, they're examples of, of what's happened in the past that confirm this covenant. But right now, our present resource is this covenant with God because the covenant's not just for the past, it's for now. And Moses spends some time in, in chapter 29, verses 10 to 15, saying this covenant is available to all of us right now. Then Moses talks about future perils, and I quite like that word. I reckon Churchill must have used that a lot. Future perils. Moses says, you know, there are things coming that are of concern. And I don't think Moses was sort of making this up. He'd probably been listening to the people and they'd been whispers and concerns. This had been overt conversations about the things we're worried about. And so Moses addresses them. And the biggest one, he says, is going to be, going to be this temptation to turn away from God. He says, we're going into this land where people worship other gods and you're going to find this temptation to turn away from the God who rescued you out of Egypt. And he says, don't do that. The future peril, if you do that, it's going to be really bad. He uses this incredible imagery. He uses imagery of disease and desolate landscapes. He talks about uh, no vegetation, a burning waste of salt and sulfur. He says that's what it's going to be like if we turn away from God. That's the thing you have to guard against. But he goes further than that. And he talks about the fact that how this can happen is not some external thing, but in each of your hearts. In verse 18 of chapter 29, Moses talks about his biggest concern being the people's hearts turning away from God. And then in verse 19, he says this. And he's talking about a person who, who thinks they're going to be okay. Fascinating. Chapter 29, verse 19. When such a person hears the words of this oath, the oath to commit to the covenant, and they invoke a blessing on themselves thinking, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way, they will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. How about that quote, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way. That's the future peril, Moses says. You'll convince yourself you're safe, but actually you're just going your own way. And what's interesting in this section to me is that Moses isn't just idly speculating, because of course we know what happened. And, and what Moses talks about we actually see happened over the coming hundreds of years. When we read through the rest of the Bible, we see the Israelites did indeed get into the promised land and they had this constant pattern of turning away from God and going back and turning away and going back and turning away and going back until the point where they were exiled from the land. So this is no idle, ex, uh, idle future peril. This actually happened. They're not hypothetical, but they played out. So Moses warns the people don't turn your hearts away from God. And then he closes with what Ray Brown calls timeless facts. Now, if I uh, was a you know, decent scholar, I, I would probably suggest something different here. If I'd been able to come up with these, I, I, would, uh, I would have the word hope in my fourth section. Something like, God always offers hope. That's part four. Or, but wait, there's hope. 
There is hope for life, something like that, something with hope. Because this section now, incorporating all of chapter 30, is where Moses closes with this truth that God offers amazing hope for his creation. And the first 10 verses, this hope is couched in language about land and prosperity. And that's language that the people at the time would have understood. I mean, these are now nomadic people, been wandering for 40 years. They have nothing that God's providing food for them each day. And so the idea that they would have land and success and prosperity, that felt like blessing. So that's the language that Moses communicates to them in. But there's much more than that here. Much more than that here. Because the people listening to Moses, when he says to them things like this, obey God with all your heart, with all your soul, and according to everything I've commanded you. So that's what Moses is saying. That's, that's the big pitch of his speech, obey God. And everybody listening would know, just like you and I know, that's really hard. In fact, maybe we'd use the word impossible to do that all the time. So why do I say this is hopeful? This is hopeless, isn't it? Obey God all the time. I I, I don't know that I can do that. But then Moses says this in verse 6. He says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so you may love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and live. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts Now, what does that mean? Why do I find that hopeful? Well, I'm not going to go into great detail about circumcision or tell you the entertaining story of when that came up at our dinner table. But what I will tell you about circumcision is that it's an outward sign of God's covenant. Circumcision, outward sign of God's covenant. When God gives it to Abraham, he says that circumcision is a sign of the eternal covenant between me and you. So to circumcise a heart, what God's saying is, I will take action. I will take action to get this sign that the covenant between us is eternal, embedded in your person. So instead of the Israelites having to do this, God's saying for you and your descendants, I will take the action. That commits that this covenant is eternal between you and me. Incredible hope that Moses presents. Of course, it's a foreshadowing of how God does that when he sends his son and the Holy Spirit to us. And so we come to verse 11 and 12, which Lynn read for us. We're still in the idea of timeless facts. But because of this offer from God, instead of being hopeless, the idea of trying to follow God and obey him, Moses is now able to say in verse 11, Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven, so you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. And then verse 19 and 20, and this is where I want us to focus. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Now choose life. That's Moses' great charge and call. After 40 years, he says to the people, now choose life. He says it to the people living in the promised land. Now choose life. He says it to the people who in hundreds of years' time are exiled and hoping to get back to the promised land. Now choose life. And I believe he says it to us. Now choose life. So what does it mean for us today? Now choose life. And what I want to do is go back through this four-part breakdown Because I think Moses, he is not speaking like Churchill to the possibility maybe that an empire will last for a thousand years. He is speaking to God's children for all time. And it's couched in the language of the Israelites in the desert ready to go into promised land. But I think he's speaking to us. 
how do we choose life today? Well, let's first talk about our past blessings. I think we choose life as we recognize and remember our past blessings. What are yours? Of course, we live in a time where Jesus Christ has come. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hallelujah. Number one blessing right there. We are blessed to know that Jesus, God himself, walked this earth, died for you and I, and rose again. And there are many other blessings that we've seen in our own lives. So Jesus died for all of us, but, but I have so many blessings in my life. I was born to an incredible mum and dad. I didn't choose that. And yet for decades I have been blessed. I'm going to look right down the camera because they often watch. I have been blessed to be the son of my mum and dad. 16 years and 72 days ago, I was given the blessing of marrying Helen. And since then, I've been given the blessing of two beautiful kids. What's your list? My list goes on. They're just some of them. What's the list of your blessings? Now, has life been tough? Yes. Yeah, there have been really hard times. As I'm sure you've experienced as well. But choosing to savour the blessings, to remember the blessings we've been given, I think that's part of choosing life. Now, we also choose life by knowing the resources we have now, the, the present resources. How would you articulate that? I would say, I would start off with the fact that we have been sent the Holy Spirit. We have living in us, once we know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God himself, in us. We have God's word. We have this thing that we, we, we read, that we're able to look at and understand some of it. Ask God to help us understand more. God's word, what an incredible blessing, a present resource that we have. And let me suggest a third one to you. God's people. This community whether it's in this room or online, but the people of God that we get to share life with, that we get to encourage, that we get to be encouraged by. And I think that the choice to choose life is to choose to step into community. A community that helps us love the Lord our God, to listen to his voice and hold fast to him. These are some of our present resources. If I asked you to articulate future perils, wouldn't that be fun? Bit of an open mic session. What's your future peril? I'm sure some of us would come up with common ones and there'd be some others, but, but I want to I encourage us to think carefully about this idea of future perils. Because on the one hand, Moses here points to external stuff. On the one hand, he points to things outside the people as of concern, perhaps of temptation. But the massive focus of Moses in this farewell speech to people he's loved, to people he's sacrificed for for 40 years, he says the biggest future peril is right in here. It's the risk of turning your heart away from God. And I think that's the same for us today. I think the future peril that we continually face is the idea that we might turn away from God. God's ultimately concerned about our, our hearts. This phrase of will we persist in going our own way or will we obey? And I see in the Bible that from Genesis through to Revelation, we see a God who is sovereign over all, a God who's even conquered death. There is no external peril that you and I can think of or face that worries God. There is nothing that God fears. The big thing that we all face is turning our hearts away from God. I think that's the same as in Moses' time. And so we face that with the timeless facts. 
Here's the first vitally important timeless fact, in my view, that God loves his people and he offers covenant relationship. It's a timeless fact. We have this offer of covenant relationship through Jesus Christ. It's on the table for us. Many of us have taken that up. That's the hope that we have. At the same time, I think there's another timeless fact here for us. It's the choice that we're offered. It's the choice that Moses is articulating. The question is, will we love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and our strength? I'd put it this way. Will we choose life? Will we choose life? A choice that I think has a sort of a single significant component and then a daily, everyday component. The single significant component is, do we choose to believe in Jesus Christ? That's the big kind of decision. But I think there's decisions that go with that every day. There are daily decisions about choosing life. Do we choose to follow Jesus? And that's what Moses is talking about when he says, obey the Lord your God. Will you choose to obey or will you go your own way? Now, when we think about this idea of obeying, I think there are some obvious things. There are obvious things that we shouldn't do. So obeying God is don't do those things. There are obvious things that we should do, and obeying God is doing those things. But this morning, I don't want to focus on those. I want to suggest something else. I want to suggest to you that there are many decisions that we make daily where we can choose life or choose not life. Now, they're not decisions that are going to cause death, but they're decisions that start walking us towards life or walking us away. Let me give you some examples. I think we're called to choose life when we switch on the TV. What am I going to watch? I think we chose to call life when I get my phone out and I start looking at the internet. What am I going to surf on the net? I think we choose life when we choose how we react to somebody. Each day in so many different ways. We choose life when we choose how we prioritize our time. None of those decisions that I've said will ultimately necessarily cause death, but I think they can help us lead towards life. We're called to choose life, that we may love the Lord our God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is our life. And we don't just do that when we open the Bible, but I think we do that each day in so many little ways. Let us choose life. So let me conclude and summarize here this great farewell speech from Moses. His call was choose life. Choose life. Remember the blessings you have, Moses says to his people and to us. Be aware of the resources at your disposal, most particularly that God loves you and he is in covenant with you. Have your eyes wide open to the coming challenges, these future perils. But instead of focusing on those challenges... Keep your heart focused on God and hold on to the timeless truth that it's God who's chosen us, that God has chosen you and offered covenant. So I want to close this morning by reading something together that if you were in a service a few weeks ago, we, we read together. It's this great passage earlier in Deuteronomy where people are called to... Uh, Love God and to choose him. I'm going to put it up on the screen for us. It's out of Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. And so as we think about Moses' call to choose life, this is what the people were asked to, I guess, repeat. And Yvette shared with us a few weeks ago that still many, many uh, people, Jewish people, repeat this on a regular basis. And I think it's a great call. It's a great reminder for us as we think about how we choose life and how that operates. So I'd invite you to join with me as we do, as we uh, close, and then I'm going to pray. But if you would like to pray this with me as we think about our hearts oriented towards God, let's say this together now. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Let's pray. Life-giving God, but we come before you today humbly. We thank you for your offer of life. 
We thank you that we read about that offer that was extended to the Israelites thousands of years ago. And we thank you that just like them, we can count our blessings. We give you thanks for sending your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for your community, the resources that you've put in our lives right now that we might choose life and choose you. And despite the challenges that we sense today, just like the Israelites did thousands of years ago, we thank you that through your son Jesus, You've given us this covenant, secured us in your covenant, that you've taken action, that we might move into the life that you offer. So we pray, help us daily. Help us daily to choose this life that you offer, to be fully human in all the way that you created us to be, to live our lives in the hope that you offer and in the knowledge of your immense love. Would you help us confess our shortcomings, turn our hearts towards you and just embrace who you are. Thank you, our God. Amen. Let's stand and sing, church.
holy God, we exalt you. We lift you high. God, you are so mighty and holy. God, we're so grateful for you. God, we pray that as we uh, walk into our week, that you help us to choose life, that you help us to stand firm on your truths. You are good. Amen. Thank you so much uh, for being together this morning. Personally, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that we got to sing that together. We got to be in worship together. That is is a blessing. Uh, This morning, Pete has left us with a couple of questions to kind of take what we've talked about and take it into our worlds, take it into our lives, to uh, not let this be something that we just experience and then not think about, but it actually affects who we are. So uh, I'm going to share those with you. And I encourage you to write them down. I encourage you to get your phone out and take a photo. Um, And let's continue this conversation. Let's continue what God is saying in this space. The first one is, what past blessings do you see in your life? What past blessings do you see in your life? The second question is, what timeless facts do you hold on to when life gets hard? What timeless facts do you hold on to when life gets hard? And our third question is, in what ways can you choose life this week? In what ways can you choose life this week? Uh, Let's continue this conversation. Let's continue seeing where God uh, wants to speak to us through this morning. Uh, We are coming to the end of our service. Uh, We have morning tea, which is very exciting. Um, Don't forget to pick up your kids in a little while. If you are a youth, come join us over to the side. We're going to play games with Cheezels and talk about God. Um, Have an incredible week. Uh, and choose life. Let's choose life this week. Go well, church.